0: Hello and half day, everyone. It is Vicente Vlastiran, and welcome to the Curious Islander podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, one of my good friends and colleagues in the Guam Youth Congress, Mr. Al Edrich LeBang. He is the vice speaker of the Guam Youth Congress and the representative of Denny um, So, Al, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Håfade. I am Alda Beng, I'm currently a student at the University of Guam, majoring, double majoring in secondary education and math, and yeah, I'm the, as Ben said, I'm the current vice speaker of the Guam U Congress. And
0: Al actually holds the record, right, for the most, like, legislations or bills yeah. within the Guam Youth Congress um, so hopefully throughout the podcast we can Mm -hmm. talk a bit more about his policies and the stances he takes as well about as well as some issues amongst the youth um, that we've experienced and you know we just want to center for this conversation Mm -hmm. so one thing that's really coming up um, tomorrow is World Environmental Day and as you know the Guam Youth Congress and just the youth in general are really pushing for more sustainability efforts, for um, just a better environment throughout the world. Greta Thunberg has been such a huge influence um, amongst all of us. What are some some of your views on the environment and some ideas you have?
1: Yeah, so for me, I feel that we should cut down on on the trash that we put out and instead, you know, recycle, reduce, reuse as well. And of course, like zero waste initiatives, that has been talked through throughout the past few terms of the Guam Legislature, and I know they had a study for it, and a study was published, but I don't know if the findings of this study is being implemented. Yeah, and you
0: co you co-sponsored um, the a bill within the Guam Congress this term to ban polystyrene products, right? Yes. And that was with Representative Kyle DeHilig and I think... And Representative Kiana, Kiana Yabut. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I found very interesting about that bill, because I supported that bill, was there's also an audience that's very critical of sustainability efforts and some of them may say that that's a bit too far-reaching or that's a bit too tedious mm-hmm. but when you look at the environmental concerns and really how much polystyrene is consumed on Guam uh, it makes a lot of sense that that's something we want to cut down on right yeah um and so what's me, some of your thoughts I think
1: some people doesn't realize that there's also alternatives to polystyrene which is paper plates mm-hmm. and you know like polystyrene it takes Years and years to decompose compared to paper plates, which can decompose within a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and hopefully, I guess, like as we, you know, as we like normalize the use of paper products, because right now I think polystyrene is even more popular than paper products. Yeah. Then the price point will go down more because there's more Definitely. options, right? Because
1: like, um, it's just like the system of demand. And you know, like demand and supply. If there is more demand, demand on paper products. Yeah. The the prices of the paper products would most likely go down. And yeah. You know, in the future, we can phase out polystyrene-based materials. Yeah, that's totally true, and. In fact, you, um, sorry, Representative De
0: Geelig actually introduced a resolution to the bill that would add an education component, which is a really nice segue because you yourself are interested in education, right? Yeah. So what what exactly about education intrigues you and what's your goals for the future?
1: In terms of? Of education. Education, okay. So for me, I want to be a math teacher, hopefully for a few years, but I also have other plans after that. So in terms of educating the people in, in sustainability causes, you know, like teaching them like sustainable ways, like the G three goal. Yeah. And like I heard that there is a G three core that has been started and I heard there's a lot of people who's interested in joining that cause, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and education is so important and you and I have had mm-hmm. the conversation before about really raising teacher wages like, because definitely. we both know or you know as products of the system mm-hmm. on Guam we realize that there's so much heart that go that teachers put in but there's mm-hmm. there's very little financial benefits that are reaped from the efforts they put in right yeah so are you currently like looking to, to making resolutions to kind of you know to uh, to impact that problem or like fix that issue
1: it's most likely is gonna be on the budget bill something that we can work with senators to like add more provision in a way that they can increase teachers' salary because like I think Guam is part of the bracket where teachers are paid less and of course teachers are very passionate on making sure that their students succeed in the classroom and beyond the classroom.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something that, yeah, like beyond the classroom is so important because we always forget that we, that they are the ones that are educating the other professionals of yes. society not just the future educators but, mm-hmm. but people future
1: leaders yeah
0: leaders in any field yeah. you know medicine okay. or um, government policy mm-hmm. things like that can you tell us like a bit more about the legislation you introduced um, a few sessions back which would basically which would kind of alter the requirements right for teaching within GDOE
1: um I think it's within the charter school oh, Charter system. schools, yeah so in the charter school law, there is no provision where it would allow, where they would not, they, where it allows teachers to be hired even though they're not certified, and it bothers me because, like, for me as a certified teacher, makes more impact mm-hmm. to the students, and researchers, educational researchers, have published and said that. Effectiveness of teachers are based on the certification they have, the trainings that they get, as well. Yeah. So it's it's just mandating that charter school teachers can only hire teachers that are certified, and also allow a way for teacher students who are studying to be a teacher to be able to get on the job right away. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because, like, I, I guess
0: by implementing that standard, we make our education system, you know, better. We we show that we we want our kids to succeed. We want them to be taught by people who actually know what they're doing, yeah. right? And part of the bill that I loved is you also talked about, um, like, a sense of, I believe, I forgot, something about language or cultural diversity training.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Cultural diversity training. So it's one of... The- the focus on the school of education in the university of Gom is you know to make teaching more diverse every culture because like in the classroom right now when Some you enter there's a pot. huge diverse city that's mm-hmm. happening we have students from the Micronesia islands from Guam, from the Philippines and you know we have other students from other places around the world mashed up in a classroom yeah. together and like you know cultural melting pot yeah. theory.
0: So it would make sense for like education professionals to have to learn how to be like conscious mm-hmm. towards you know towards people that come from those different cultures who maybe are not used to the ways of WAMS culture or of the American education system. If I may add, also, like,
1: students learn more if they connect the content to their background, to their culture.
0: Yeah, that's true because I think, and I mentioned this in my previous podcast, even growing up as a Pacific Islander, as a Chamorro, we barely are taught anything about Pacific Islanders (laughs) in school despite us... A bus, despite a lot of the students identifying as a specific islander, whether they're Chamorro or coming from another um, Micronesian, Melanesian, or Polynesian background. And I think it would just, it would just be great to see kind of the content of what's being taught diversified so that they could, like you said, apply it to their own backgrounds. Definitely. Yeah. Um, how about, you know, you uh so tell tell us a bit more about your past you were raised here on guam right when did you come here
1: um so i was born in the philippines and i came here when i was 11 years old
0: and you went to i went the to the home to of the whales yes, yes we are oh, both the we are both proud whale alums guys and yeah. we i mean i've spoken to al about this before but it's really a good school i think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it's still it's it, it shaped me into who I am and what I value, and I just love the friends I've made there. Um, it's an elementary school, but I feel so strongly yeah. connected to it and in a way. And I
1: like how their system is a success for all Yeah, not the DI. <laughs> not the DI, and like, success for all is very good in yeah. a way that it allows a group of students work to work together to collaborate more, and yeah. you it's know, something that you can bring out in the future, like into the workplace, collaborating with your colleagues.
0: Yeah, because we would do, I don't know if you remember team talk. Yeah. And talk. then we would <laughs> get like four questions and then we have to answer the questions. <laughs> So there's just so much. There was just so much collaboration within that school that, like you said, it really does inform what we do now, what mm-hmm. we what we what we try to collaborate on and work on together as teams. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, we talked about how cultural, you know, cultural empathy and understanding is mm-hmm. important for teachers to have. When you first came to Guam, um, did you kind of experience um, any sort of gap that? made you that prompted you to want teachers to be more aware of cultural diversity
1: i would say yes definitely there is a gap
0: yeah 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 and i could imagine you know um it if you start off like that it doesn't necessarily just go away maybe yeah yeah.
1: especially like even though when i was in high school i can still see there's a gap between some students who just came from other other countries yeah To go on and like you know, the only way the teacher communicates with them is through their translator devices. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you know, there is more better if they communicate more, like verbally. Yeah. Of course, like they can also communicate non-verbally, like through sign language, yeah emotions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Because there's just so many, I you know, I always I had a classmate who one of those translators you know they have that little mm-hmm. looks like a calculator and they put yeah, it on their right desk and for me it's like I can't imagine learning like that because I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel connected to the school or the community yeah, it is. and that's such an it's important aspect that needs to be fostered is they need to feel like they belong right
1: yeah. it's like the sense of belongingness is not there and some teachers are good in a way that at least try to master some, you know, yeah. like some words that is like commonly used, like, you know, like how you say, how are you in your yeah. language, those things.
0: Yeah. So those are, I, I guess those are all really just important issues. And, and hopefully, right, those both aspects of, of teaching and, and learning on Guam can be fixed. Right. We need to provide more for our teachers, provide them with, you know, first of all, a better budget and better salary yeah. because a lot of their money is used on classroom materials and things like that. Um, but it's also about uh, making sure that they're aware of the standards they have to uphold mm-hmm. because they're teaching such diverse classrooms
1: nowadays. And, and um, yeah,
0: like just to add on
1: as well, like majority of Guam students are English language learners.
0: Yeah. So it's really like, it's yeah. not uncommon. See, that's the thing that surprised me is it's not uncommon on Guam to be bilingual, yeah. but it's still like, we're still learning how to navigate those those really nuanced struggles. It just surprises me, but it shows you a lot about what we need to work on and how we can make make things better. right? So what are some other, I guess, issues or topics you wanna to talk about? I guess one thing that we were thinking about is social justice reform, which can be manifested through so many different different um,
1: facets channels yeah. yeah so i'm a big supporter of the criminal justice reform and social justice reform as well so for me i feel that we should not re- we should like you know be more lenient in a way that we allow former inmates to reintegrate back to the community in a way that they have something to do because like if they don't have anything after they are in prison they're most likely gonna go back to their old self coming into that jail so it's something like for me i think you should focus more on guiding them to have a job yeah guiding them earn skills earn their education degree like you know like their ged at least
0: yeah because yeah. all of those skills will help them in attaining jobs and mm-hmm. even if it's just manual labor jobs for now yeah. learning, it's something because it, it, it shows you that they're they're kind of moving up from where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: mm-hmm. just to add on, like her in Guam, we are a more tight knit community. Yeah. In a way like, for example, if he, in their resume they they said that they have been convicted before like sometimes it hurts me that they would not be considered for the job yeah and that should not be a basis you know for not getting the job yeah Because for me I feel that's another form of discrimination
0: yeah mm-hmm. it's true because I mean people make different mistakes mm-hmm. at different times in their life mm-hmm. and no one person should be held accountable for something for something they did. I mean, depending on the degree yeah, of the, degree of uh, the crime, life. right? Yeah. But you're right. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't necessarily determine, you know, what they uh, become in life. Yeah. Because, I guess you know, some of the brightest minds could be people who have made many mistakes in the past. Yeah. Um, and they could go on to do great things for society because they know what it's like to be in the shoes of someone who maybe didn't do something so positive, or didn't impact the community in a positive way.
1: And I know also inside the they have like some programs like where they create um, souvenir materials that they can give out. Like, you know, yeah. I know like the turtle, oh, like turtle machets, those oh, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And even um, another thing that Al and I are both on is the state advisory group. Yeah. And within um, our meetings, so we just started meeting, and the state advisory group is something that Al and I were appointed um, upon. I guess the recommendation of the new speaker yeah. in the Guam Congress and then um, appointed, formally appointed by the governor. Yeah. And so we just had our what, our second meeting or we, first meeting. I
1: think this is gonna yeah, be our, our first, meeting. Yeah, our first a, meeting. The first one is an on orientation.
0: Yeah. So funny story, guys. So Al and I, you know, showed up to this meeting or to a workshop yeah. in 2019, towards the end of 2019. And we we're so excited because... Uh, we, we're just those kind of people who like getting involved, uh, but then short after, or we, so we we absorbed all this information. We um, were so ready to kind of uh, fight for juvenile justice on Guam through the state advisory group and create a state plan, but then COVID <laughs> happened, and we kind of found ourselves um, needing to refresh what we learned and refresh. Um, the knowledge that we attained through that workshop. And so we were able to do it um, with the personnel at DYA mm-hmm. who were able to, to do that workshop. And then we even got to, to hear from Miss, uh, what's her name, Borner? Tina Borner. Tina Borner. Yeah, Miss Tina from Borner. From the
1: Office of Juvenile Justice Prevention.
0: Yeah, Office of Juvenile Justice OJJP. Prevention. who Who um, flew out last time. but yeah. We heard from her virtual during our meeting this year. Yeah. And one of the things that DYA was talking to us about is the different activities that they do for their um, occupants um, just to kind of mm-hmm. educate them and keep them motivated while they're yeah. in the stage of their life. Um, and while when you bring that up, it just yeah. seems like an opportunity to implement programs like yoga or mindfulness programs into, into the actual. Um,
1: and I, don't know. I think. Um, yeah. Just today I saw BYA's on Instagram page and they have one occupant who just graduated high school mm-hmm. which is a very good thing. Yeah. Know?
0: Yeah, because yeah. it's still like it keeps them on track to do what they want to do in mm-hmm. life. So what are some and you were we were talking about this earlier, there are also some there's also a big, good idea of like making a funnel program to get them into certain fields that maybe yeah. require more uh, manual skills yeah um, just
1: like especially in the government they need people that you know collect trash Mm -hmm. those things those are decent jobs you know even though like you collect trash people that would um paint the road signs those are things that we need and also like let's say um gpa gwa they're sometimes understaffed. Yeah. And they need more people to, let's say, just fix things, like fix the lighting, fix the power lines. Yeah. And also, let's admit, DMV has a long line. <laughs> and you know, like, if, if we can just teach them how to process things on a computer, like you know, putting the name of the person through the system and you know getting driver's license yeah. on time.
0: Yeah, that's true. There are all those different opportunities for them to mm-hmm. to better their lives mm-hmm. and to serve their community in a positive way. So why can't we just use their time, you know, when they're there, yeah. to educate them and add an educational component? And that brings me to another interesting thing, uh, another interesting topic. Is earlier this year um, I think there was someone arrested and this really hits me personally because you know I'm from Timuning, and um, when when there was like a string of robberies late last year mm-hmm. throughout the, our village um, and it's very concerning because when you when you see stuff like that it makes you concerned for your family safety and for the safety of your community and really for our whole island because we're such a we're such a small place um, and I had commented on something that was posted talking of, and kind of talking about how it within like incarceration nowadays there is no educational component and a lot of these things that happen are very problematic cuz like we said people aren't allowed to move up in life yeah. but then the counter argument that i faced was like oh then if you're so willing to help these people out then i i guess you're going to be okay if they steal from your house or something like that but then my you know my perspective really is no it's not okay to steal from anybody it's not okay to commit these crimes but it's also not okay to set them to set these people up who get incarcerated to set them up in a system that just automatically works against them from the start right it's just
1: like it doesn't give them opportunity to do something else Mm -hmm. right they're if you just release them without any intervention at all they're most likely going to go back to their old ways like before coming into the jail system yeah see the correction facility but if we offer them a new perspective in life then more more most likely they will you know aim high and you know change the course of their lives
0: yeah and there are also i think policies that we can implement as youth congress members that prevent Um, prevent them from getting from just doing things that maybe may harm that may harm their credibility or Mm -hmm. their credibility as citizens and one of the things we often talk about is also gun reform yeah right and and and, and things that will work against um, against gun violence because Al and I did a um a live stream like Before, yeah like a year and a half after, ago.
1: This is after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting.
0: Yeah, and um, you want to tell him you want to tell them a bit more about like what we discussed or maybe your stance on it. Oh yeah. So
1: for me, I think we should have an extensive gun reform in terms of more background check on everyone, and of course like, during Guam like recently recent news shows that are some people, people who own unregistered guns. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's hard to imagine. Like we, we always hear that the within the content within the context of the continental U.S., how much of a problem gun violence is. But then it's hard for us until we saw until we saw yeah. that information to kind of imagine that that those same or similar problems could also be occurring here on our own island.
1: Yeah. I mean, like. We should act now instead of waiting for something to happen that big, you know, as was happening in the States. Because, like, if it is preventable, I think we should do some actions to it. Mm -hmm. And I know we have a bill right now, Bill 12 33, which is the Gun Protection Order Act of 2021. So, basically, it's the red flag laws where, you know, if you have an A family member who you feel is a threat to the community and they own guns and it's like if you file the gun protection order the court can you know temporarily confiscate the guns in your possession because like sometimes you can as family members we can see that someone is struggling through mental health yeah definitely and we want to do what's best for
0: them and also for the community around Mm -hmm. them um, and part of the reason why we believe so strongly in the bill is the fact that it hits gun violence, you know, right. head on yeah. instead of, um, and I think some of our colleagues will disagree with this, but then instead of hitting all weaponry head yeah, on.
1: It's like, for me, like, it's just to that the bill discussion into, yeah. you know, so that it could fail yeah. in a way that we're sidetracking too much and we're focusing more on other weapons. But the real problem is guns. Yeah. Unregulated militia.
0: And I think you and I kind of both agreed that the most effective way, because we we as Guam with Congress, we can can make a change, make no Mm -hmm. mistake, but it really is also a matter of how efficient we are in getting bills on our session agenda, then passing it, then uh, referring it to the respective or to the Guam Legislature, <laughs> and that in itself takes quite a while, yeah. and so the more, and and with this bill, it's the longest, mm-hmm. the longest bill drafted, I think, right, yeah. in it's Guam in Congress, so,
1: fifteen-page bill right yeah. now,
0: and it was, and you said it yourself, you 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 tried to research as, as well as you could, yeah, um, because we know the we know the importance and acknowledge the importance of this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said, focusing on gun rights head on is what we feel—at least what majority of the sponsors, the well, the yeah. main sponsor and the co-sponsors feel. And just yeah. to
1: say, like other states have this kind of laws, and yeah. if they do have it, I think it's necessary for going to have it as well.
0: Yeah. Have you ever, I guess, at a point in when you're exploring like your political philosophies and what mm-hmm. you believe, have you ever come to a point though where you said? Um, maybe you don't want any. You don't want any mental health checks because you just you're against gun ownership, private gun ownership.
1: Not really. I'm not really against gun. I I mean, I, I feel that everyone is afforded their Second Amendment rights. You know, the Second Amendment gives everyone the freedom to own, the right to bear arms, and and you know, like it's all right. But there's some some limits to that, right? Yeah. You know, like you have probably. Your it was a different owner, time back then, and yeah. it was a
0: different, just like you know, it's not. It's kind of kind of what we, we think of here is yeah. like, there's some aspects just of the nature of Guam that are contradictory to <laughs> the constitution of the U.S., right? Yeah. And that's something that we have to acknowledge because things change. Um, and I think that the reason why I asked you that question is because I found myself sometimes throughout me a, as I explore like who I am and who, what I believe in and what I feel is best for my constituents and my community and, and what they tell me is that sometimes I do feel like we could abolish the Second Amendment. I mean, I know that's really yes. a large statement because it's, it's going
1: to be big.
0: Yeah, it will be thing? really big. you
1: know nra yeah there's like multiple lobbyists that support gun rights yeah yeah
0: and i guess people i guess a real big counter is that it seems like too much of a utopian idea but for me um i don't know i just think that guns within the united states we've consumed so much Gun culture and guns in the media and people own so many registered guns, like too much, too many, like more than the heads in their household. That is just very concerning for me. Um, But yeah, that's always something that that I'm willing to always hear others out on. And and what's important though is that we're having this discussion instead of not having it at all. Um, And you know, one thing that's also really important is. The implementation of these uh what do you call it now? The sorry, I forgot. The drills. The gun violence drills oh, and the active, shooter active shooter drills, drills. that have, that were implemented in schools. Yeah. I think after Sandy Hook. Um, I mean
1: like even Columbine I think.
0: Yeah, and Colum- Columbine. Um and what they're what they're teaching us mm-hmm. to, you know, have plans just to just to encounter these specific situations but Um, yeah
1: for me i think students should not devote their time learning how to dodge bullet instead of you know like they need to have a peace of mind that nothing's gonna happen to them yeah and you know like they should just focus on learning the contents they're supposed to learn
0: so what do you think, so I know you're not for like those kind of exercises, but what do you mm-hmm. think about drills as but, far as like, yeah, it, yeah.
1: in today's in today's reality, we have to learn those, you know, Yeah. in order to survive for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's so true because it, you know, it's becoming more and more common mm-hmm. to encounter these types of violence. I mean, I think we all remember what happened in Tumon. Um, with those, with the people who got stabbed at yeah. Outrigger, but also um, more recently within within I think maybe around two years ago, Dr. Judy Guthertz and her yeah. experience in Manilao with the with the Machete attack and the string of of public safety meetings that yeah. followed.
1: And, you know, like sometimes the media, they you know took it out of proportion because like it's a minority group that did this act.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's you're right. Um, and then that that becomes a problem because where is the line between targeting this group mm-hmm. of people, this certain minority, versus showcasing the acts that were done the wrongful acts that were done by this group of people. Yeah. Because that, that in itself caused a stereotype of certain minorities being Definitely dangerous. Neat. And I think we just saw recently with I don't know if you noticed, but like throughout the pandemic, there was a, there was
1: more of the Asian hate crimes. You know? more, yeah,
0: more of the Asian hate crimes, and and when the um, Chukis community ho- uh, was experiencing outbreaks in COVID, yeah, in their was...
1: communities, and it's like not really that reported. Yeah. So it's like I feel that media sometimes have a double standard of reporting.
0: Yeah. As well. It's true, and I, and it's hard because it's like well you cover them for the machete incidents, but you don't cover them and when for, they're experiencing yeah experiencing yeah, these, these, these losses. That, yeah, and so it just shows kind of a lot of the injustices mm-hmm. of the media. Um, and I don't know really if those can ever be rectified because, of course, media um, in many ways can be biased.
1: Too. Yeah, there's always going to be a bias on yeah. every way.
0: And even in our little island, I mean, it's still... It's, there's still a lot of biases. Just like,
1: you know, let's say the capital attack.
0: Yeah, you the Capitol like attack.
1: When Black Lives Matter protests happen, there's more there's guards. There's more guards, there's more but barricades. When a pro-Trump rally happens, there's less guards. Yeah.
0: And not to mention the, that people are even entertaining the claim that yeah. some of those people were Antifa and they just staged that to make it look like those like that Trump supporters weren't getting you know um but yeah I I just think that there's just so there's just so much to be discussed how do you feel as far as um because I uh, there are some people that would say that the the anger that was shown and on um in Washington D.C. when that horrible tragedy happened Mm -hmm. is a reaction towards the looting and the the, you know, riots that happen um, on other sides of the country, like in Portland, Mm -hmm. um, because there were mass amounts of, like, looting, and that's where, that's where I get a little confused, because I do, you know, I want to support our, our black siblings, our black brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. and I don't, but then, on the other hand, I don't want to necessarily support them through an organization that encourages destruction of small businesses.
1: Yeah, I yeah it's like hard sometimes like we have freedoms but sometimes they you know abuse the freedom that we have and i do support like peaceful fro- protest, and not in a way that they would have to destruct property of others
0: yeah exactly because I, I there were so many i mean this is a time where all of us are struggling whether mm-hmm. You know whether you own a business or you work for a business or you work for a government entity I think we all can relate to not only financial hardships that this time has posed but really just to um, just to like the health struggles that a lot of yeah. us have experienced and things like that and so we don't I I do agree you know peaceful protests are totally there for it but when it comes to breaking you know our Breaking and entering someone's livelihood yeah, when they're just trying story. to make a living. Yeah, that's that's another story, and um, that's kind of where I drew the. That's kind of where I drew the line to yes. say, you know, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I did try my best to also research that. You know, the organization itself, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, doesn't necessarily condone that. It's just mm-hmm. people who say they're affiliated with it, right, that were breaking in and entering into these yeah. businesses. Um, but i do think that this time is also spoken and though that frustration though i don't agree with the way it, it's carried out is kind of um it's kind of like a clap back towards capitalism and sometimes how capitalism can really just have such a a, a it should, it could really encourage like a wage gap and al um you what are your thoughts on like economic policy and and as far as capitalism do you think there's a line to be drawn or do you are you like free market all the way
1: i think there should be some lines on as well um, like i think that businesses should go co- is co- coexist with you know like a decent wage yeah i feel that 15 dollars Fifteen dollars is the living wage and i think all businesses can afford that if they're not greedy you know
0: yeah and also, you know, especially the the higher income bracket, right? We always talk about the top one yeah, percent. The
1: top one percent.
0: Um, I and like people like you know Amazon not having pay to tax. pay taxes. Um, I think
1: everyone has a responsibility to pay their own share. Yeah. Their own share.
0: Exactly, and if for you that means paying a large amount because you make so much of a higher income mm-hmm. than others, then. A justified that's, amount, that's I'm gonna say. Yeah, a justified amount. And that's what you yeah. have to do to to I guess be a good citizen, right? Yeah. Um, but then you know, on the other hand we I I as a progressive democrat too also believe in the opportunity of starting your own business, of being able to benefit yeah, from definitely some capitalist everyone
1: yeah. should have the right to start their own business. Yeah. And of course like it will be healthier at the same time if we have everyone paying their own share and as well as their employees getting their own share. So so that employees will have more power to spend the money. yeah you know And, and the more we spend, the better the economy is. Speaking of like economic policy, are you the one that introduced the vape tax bill? Yes, so that's gonna be heard soon. so just basically implementing, at ten cents per milliliter on baked juices, and dollar per every vape unit, you know, it's just like to address some financial sh- shortage that we have in terms of education, roads, and of course like public transit, and of course like you know to this and wise people from using vape because you know vape is also harmful yeah there's that's not, still a lot we don't it's know not a, it's not a alternative to smoking
0: yeah i mean i yeah i think that's something that people always forget it's like you know people once our parents once thought that smoking didn't do anything mm-hmm. to people like it was okay to smoke inside it's okay to smoke x amount of cigarettes a day But then now we know especially living on Guam yeah that there's so much harmful effects and so part of what I love about the bill too yeah is also that it is incentivizing you know that people should maybe steer away from from vaping
1: and yeah especially like as you can see the vape the vapors most of the people that vapes now are the youth yeah the, the youth age and you know even though they're not 21 as it is mandated now that they have to be 21 they find a way so you find a way to yeah i know i know to some the system
0: i've heard some stories of you know people using jewels yeah. and jewels really look a lot really similar to the containers of lead that we used to buy yeah, that pencils. yeah of like lead pencils and so if i was looking at it if i was a teacher i couldn't tell from just looking at someone's pencil case that that was a jewel i yeah. would think maybe it it's a also like, it's
1: it looks like an eraser to me sometimes yeah
0: or an eraser yeah. and you know there's all these different things that people are starting at a younger age which could be harmful because bodily development and things like that but it's really harmful at any kind of any stage of their life too um, and so there's just so many there's just so many things to tackle and there's so many opportunities uh for us to make a change in our community and and kind of yeah, yeah really make make just make the the lives of our youth on guam better i want to ask you a bit more personal question because I, I really admire your work ethic and your drive out so when you you know approach a bill or when you when you approach anything dealing with government policy and legislation what what is your philosophy or what what really you know, what makes you want to do it? What makes you want to do the hard things?
1: I mean, like, I most likely look into the future. Like, what would happen in the future if this thing, if this bill passes? So I look at the future outlook of the policies that I make and the the effects of it. And if I feel the effects is great for the future generations, then I do it. I do introduce it.
0: Yeah, and one thing I think that um, what I've been trying to steer away from too is and what I was kind of confused on when we first started is um, I think I felt the need to have a niche going into Guammy Congress because I feel like each one of us were all known for different things. Yeah. Um, you and education and then me for, you know, different things like Indigenous rights. Um, but, but I think that you're a testament of... Really, just breaking that mold and going for policies that will shape and help the lives of of Guam's youth in many different ways—not just through education, but through Through economic policies as well. Yeah. So, looking forward, do you have any um, other policies that you want to push for?
1: For me, I'm looking into unemployment program. Mm -hmm. This pandemic really hit us in terms of employment. Yeah. And it's really hard for people who are unemployed now and they don't have any assistance until the 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 stimulus and the the unemployment subsidies happened during the Trump administration and that took months before it got approved yeah and if we have a local unemployment insurance program I think we don't have to rely, rely much. so much on the federal side but you know it can coexist together Cause yeah. like, let's say like 400 per week is not really enough for a family to survive sometimes yeah. and you know there
0: is that kind of that, that's so interesting you bring that up because I was thinking just about the detach between local government and federal government that we experience here in Guam not only because yeah, of like, how it's yeah. very
1: hard for Guam because we're yeah. not in the IRS system yeah. So I'm also advocating for us to be on the system so it will be easier for every state and territory to disperse federal funds.
0: Yeah. Without having such a long delay because yeah. we think about how long it takes on the federal end and then when it gets here it takes even longer you know, it yeah, takes longer. The process.
1: Yeah. And it takes time and it's yeah. And you know, some people really need it and it's just hard that you know they have to wait
0: yeah and within that isolation like being isolated from the federal government I think we've also found within the Guam Congress opportunities to um, to speak with and to, to formulate and, and collaborate with on relationships with um, our counterparts in the CNMI
1: yeah so yeah we just have some youth congress from CNMI who just got inaugurated and we look forward on communicating with them soon and you know like opening our regional yeah. talks in a way that we can share ideas each other and to better expand our regional affairs. Because there's so much,
0: I guess there's so much to learn from each other. I was just listening to KYM earlier today and they're actually applauding the CNMI for the way they've handled um their their funds during the pandemic. I think they got a contract, a tourism contract yeah. for a large sum of money. Um but then but then you know, more recently amongst some of the Chamorro Indigenous activists I've been I've been um, talking to too is they also have, you know, things that we we can teach them um, about cultural renaissance and about the renewal of the Chamorro identity um and how that can be implemented there too to just make to just make the lives better for, for the youth of, of all of the Marianas. Yes. Um, because at the end of the day, right, they're they're just like our siblings. Like they're mm-hmm. they're in the islands right north of us, but we're really just one chain of islands. Um, despite, you know, having two political identities under the United States. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's true. I was saying sometimes the two party system doesn't really work. You know? Yeah.
0: And so, one thing or another thing that um, I also want to talk about is, you know, you you and I can be kind of considered young professionals, right? (laughs) I I mean, it sounds silly like calling us that. We're
1: part of the Young Democrats of Guam and basically, we're part of the Democratic Party. Yeah, and we
0: see each other at a lot of meetings. Let's just we hang out a (laughs) lot.
1: We hang out (laughs) a lot.
0: So. And one, and uh, you know, a, a big, a big thing that we've been um, like working on within the Guam Congress is also we established, actually, we established mm-hmm. the Democratic, Democratic Caucus, Caucus, which I was the majority leader last term, now and it's, it's me, yeah, now it's me, and um, so it's really been a great opportunity to kind of just embrace. The ideals we share as democrats whether and we have a range of democratic mm-hmm. people we have we people have who are from, more yeah
1: from a wide range from moderates yeah to from people from who, progressives yeah we have people who are not really and sure socialists <laughs> yeah
0: or people who are not sure but they just want to caucus yeah. with us because we're the super majority um, in the guanwi congress right so uh that's something that we've also done too but I guess another thing, Al, is when you look at your identity, like, as, as a young professional and as an emerging youth leader in Guam, mm-hmm. who are those local role models that you really, you, you think about that provide you with inspiration to do okay. this? Okay.
1: I would say Senator Amanda Shelton really helped me a lot and, of course, speaker, um, vice speaker Tina Munia-Morans, mm-hmm. and I also look into speaker Lafi mm-hmm. and basically, like, the lawmakers that we have also congressman underwood
0: i yeah because well, again we worked, yeah, his, we worked on his campaign, his campaign even yeah. though it's
1: unsuccessful
0: yeah but then yeah. through that we we kind of put together that um it's kind of it's a, a big problem really? at, and are you the one that introduced or is that nolan the registration
1: voter registration yeah.
0: so it's me and nolan actually. you and nolan yeah and that's kind of also to help combat the lack of our age bracket yeah. that are voting. Because one thing I think we experience is there's just so much hype around our generation with voting. But they don't go
1: on. They the don't go on election day to vote. To vote. And even though we have absentee voting and early voting that happened, they, they don't, didn't come. Yeah, they didn't and come. And it's like it's it's like some youth doesn't understand that. The decision that we make for our leaders today will affect us in the future, yeah. and that's something that they need to think when they are a voter, is to come and vote, yeah. practice their right to vote.
0: I mean, there are people that say if you don't vote, then don't, don't complain. Matter. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't matter. And I agree, you know... Um, well, I mean, unless it's really excruciating circumstances, you know, if you're, if you're sick or, or if there's some, if there's some people that, that maybe mm-hmm. haven't got the services and to get to the polls. Just thinking
1: about, like, in the States right now, there's voter, voter suppression that's happening. Yeah. Statewide. Yeah. And like, here in Guam, I haven't heard anything that any Republican is pushing forward, but I think that we should expand voting rights for everyone. Yeah. You
0: know? I mean, one thing that was just so inspirational and I think that a lot of us youth should draw from when it comes to showing up actually at the polls and not just mm-hmm. sharing it on our Instagram page is, yeah. um, is really what Stacey Abrams did and the transformation of Georgia for the runoff race uh, with John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock and really within the presidential election with Joe Biden because... It's basically yeah. most,
1: mostly organizing the LLC is the yeah. big part of it and for me right now coming into the 2022 election i'm planning to start a youth group where you know we can all collaborate and push for youths to vote yeah and you know like we can all carpool we can bring you to your poll either precinct and vote and bring you back to where you were and you know it doesn't really take hours to vote thank god it's not because like in some states it takes you like three hours in, in line. line, yeah. In here, the wait time is like less than 10 minutes, sometimes yeah. even one less than one minute,
0: or even for yeah. even for this for the pandemic yeah. that was drive through voting. Drive-through.
1: And you know, like I did the absentee, the early voting, you know, yeah. And every time I go to the Guam Election Commission, it, it doesn't even take me one minute to wow. line up, yeah. They just make me cut through the yeah the, what do you call that
0: which one the, the line. lines yeah so yeah really i guess it just there's pings. no one in
1: the thing when yeah. they come
0: yeah. so organizing is really key and providing these services mm-hmm. carpooling um i even call banks to remind voters of when to vote is so important because this like we like we said that is our opportunity to voice our opinion to vote for who we think is best fit to run our island and as people who don't even have as citizens who don't even have the right to vote for president we need to use whatever voice we have yeah, um, yeah. and so it's just really important that we turn out to vote is there anything else you wanted to talk about yeah just
1: like circling back to that thing that you said like it's unfortunate for some U.S. territories for not being able to choose their president you know and it's something that congress is working on is to allow states to vote for the president and I do support that even though we have one electoral Mm -hmm. vote that will be okay with me and it really makes a difference you know
0: yeah it definitely does because we're going from first of all we don't even have the right to determine what we want to be yet because that's still highly debated so just getting the opportunity while while we're in the United States to just have you know to have a say to finally have a say it it would mean something and and for sure to to also our menamku who live their whole lives um, you know I think there's this popular view around our elders here on Guam that Uh, America is really, we should be thankful and they've given their lives, they give their support to America.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, one thing I also see with their Manamku is like, you know, they always say that they were here when we need them.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, although I differ, you know, although I I respect our Mm Manamku and we revere them um, and we kind of, we differ because of when we were raised, um, it's still important that, you know, they spend their whole lives, Thanking the American flag, and and I think it's time that the American flag kind of thanks them by by giving them the opportunity to to voice their opinion. Um, yeah, like, yeah,
1: the U.S. is considered to be the most powerful powerful country in the world, and you know it's sad that yeah. there's some citizens that cannot even vote for their own leader.
0: Yeah, but um, another thing that's really cool is that yeah, there if are. if you look at
1: it like. Uh huh. The U.S. always called other countries for not being able, for like, you know, if they like have interference with your election and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's funny, like, you know, you should do your own thing first before you do that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, little by little, there are opportunities that our youth get to kind of be more immersed in that right to vote and the political process within the continental U.S. and the way it works. Um, and so Al, why don't you tell, you wanna tell them a bit more about what you're doing this summer, the opportunities okay, you have. Okay, so
1: yeah. I was able to get an internship with the APAICS. So right now I'm interning with the Office of Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy from Florida 7th District, and also with the American Petroleum Institute. So the APAICS is an organization that promotes Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, and you know they pushed them to be in public service.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you know it was such a, like you were saying earlier, it's such a great opportunity just to learn more mm-hmm. and to also network with so many outstanding youth who want to learn more about the process and who want to eventually make a change mm-hmm. within within society. Um, so what's kind of next for you? I know you're finishing up your time at UOG. What are some yeah. more of your aspirations?
1: So, of course, I'll, I'll be, I'm trying to teach for a while. Yeah. And then I'm trying to get my law degree. And I want to do a joint degree with, with a Master's in International Affairs or Foreign Service and hopefully become a diplomat one day. That's good
0: i mean yeah i mean i totally think you're capable um one thing that i love about all of my peers in the guamite congress especially al is that they have so many accomplishments under their belt at mm-hmm. uh, despite being so young um and that's really one of the benefits of being in the guamite congress and i do this because or and i'm saying this sh- like um shameless yeah. plug but we are also very underserved and very yeah. um in the guamite congress we need More members and right now there is
1: half of that yeah
0: we we don't have we have like 28 or what is it 23 23 um and so you know each i mean last last term we had 30 30 some some. yeah 30 some um and so you know consecutively we're just we're just experiencing low amounts of turnout um, in the past in the past yeah
1: and you know like we're just informing everyone who watches who listens to this podcast you know and like if you're a youth and you're from 14 and 25 years old you can join new congress it's a good opportunity to learn more about the legislature and like how to pass a bill and how does law change yeah and how can you make a difference within your community
0: and you really you know you gain such a transformative sense of pride uh, of being from Guam, of being a part of this amazing island, and you can really see how you as a youth could make such a transformative impact. Um, Al and I are both very proud that our municipalities currently have all seats filled. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw. Our municipalities have um, currently all seats filled, um, and so that's another thing that we that we we take pride in. But If you do not have a representative for your village or your representative is is maybe not eligible to be in the Guamid Congress anymore or or, um, resigns from their seat in the Guamid Congress, then you can run in special elections, right? Mm -hmm. And you could potentially be elected to hopefully be a part of these, um, to be a part of this transformative transformative program or body that is really making Mm -hmm. a change. Um, So, Al, what... If you're comfortable, what are some ways that the uh, our listeners can kind of get get a hold of you or,
1: or talk to you? Okay, so I have my Instagram, which is AlfredaU, and you can also within my Instagram I have my other information there that you can contact me. And yeah, I if you, I'm always waiting for anyone who want to contact me if yeah. you want to talk just message me he
0: has business cards guys <laughs> so if you run into him in public you can, maybe you can get one um but yeah anyways guys yeah, speaking of
1: that i need to print more <laughs> yeah
0: all right so that was mr al edrich Lebang Edric Le um of course we're rooting for you al and we thank you for all that thank you do you, thank you
1: for having me on this podcast no
0: worries he's just mossy for and coming and by
1: the way Vicente and I will be in the link on Monday at nine a.m. <laughs> and we're gonna discuss how the how should Gov guam spend the six hundred million dollar federal money that they gave us.
0: Yes. So um, feel free to tune into that. Uh, follow this podcast at the Curious Islander, and feel free to follow me as well at Vicente Vlogs Tyrant on Instagram. Thank you, see you and time.